0: Join me right now on Kumite TV, lightweight destroyer, Damien Brown. What's going on Damien? Uh what's going on man? Thanks for having me. No doubt, no doubt, man. Uh tell me about the place you're you're right now you're sitting in your new place. It's not even open yet. Talk about Base Training Center.
1: Oh man, I'm sitting in my reception area right now. Um but yeah we gotta turn it around for you guys so you can check it out we got a wrestling area here, there's my electrician. Uh, he owns Bros Jiu Jitsu, so he's over here just helping me build my place as well. And uh, so I got the wrestling area over there, wall mats. We got some cage paneling, gonna go along those windows, so we'll have heaps of wall space. And uh, right behind me there, you'll have some bag racks uh, go up. And then uh, over this side, we got all our, uh, we got coffee there and we got a uh, Scott rack and all our stuff. Weights, bumpers, barbells, rollers you name it. And everyone that comes out of this gym's coming in hot. It's going to be awesome. This is a major, major project. How did it all come together? Oh, you know, like, uh, I used to be a, a physical training instructor in the Army. I worked in rehab units and stuff like that. And I always wanted my own place. Like, I feel like fitness is an outlet for so many people, especially People that struggle with any kind of like mental illness or uh post traumatic stress and stuff like that, I always felt like physical fitness and more importantly like martial arts and jiu-jitsu, it's just massive for like uh feeling like a bit of freedom, you know, stuff that they don't like anxiety and that, it doesn't allow you to be free, it doesn't allow you to, to feel relaxed and I felt like this was a this is what people needed. You know, and it's everywhere, but I think that uh The difference I bring is, as someone who's been in that situation, I feel like I have an understanding of it and uh, that I can create an environment and a community that will provide that for a lot of people. Um, You know, so, um, you know, I'm hoping to get a lot of, like, emergency services and soldiers and just general people that have some issues with anxiety, post-traumatic stress, anything like that, and anything else, you know what I mean, and just needs an outlet and and a place to go where no one judges, everyone's equal, you know, we'll have fighters here, We'll have, you know, people that just want to do jiu-jitsu for fun. We'll have people who are doing fitness, but everyone's equal. You know, there's no one better than anyone else, and, and we're all here for our own reasons. So I always wanted to do it. I probably wanted to do it for about 10 years, and uh, to be honest, my, my MMA career was sort of like a bit of a priority, and, and while now it's still a priority, I'm just in the position where I can do it. So I just feel like now's the right time, and, um, you know, we built this place over the last few weeks, and we're ready to open this Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's great to see that you're setting yourself up for a life after fighting. You know, a lot of guys are not doing that, but you're in that phase, so it's great to see that.
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I've always sort of thought that I'm a bit of a realistic person. And, um, you know, fighting never made me millions. I'm never going to rest on it. Afterwards, I'm not retiring, you know, a wealthy fighter or anything like that. And I, I think that 99% of fighters don't, so... um You know, you can't fight forever. I'm 34. Even if I fought for another three or four years, I still need to think about what's next. And uh, um, unfortunately, you can't just think about what's next and have it be sustainable like within a few weeks. So, you know, I need to start now. So in two or three years' time when I'm done fighting, this is a sustainable income for me. And, and, uh, you know, it's established and it's a place for everyone. Let's go back to the end of last
0: year, New Year's Eve, Ryzen 14. You made your debut. Against Darren Kirkshank, you weathered the storm and then took the ah. neck at the end of the first round.
1: Take me through that whole fight from your perspective. Oh man, how many people doubted me? You know what I mean? Like my team, we knew. Uh, so when I first got offered the Kirkshank fight, which I think we talked about last time, I was still like five months post knee surgery. And when they offered it to me, I was like, man, this fight is a perfect return from a knee injury. The dude throws upper body kicks, lots of spinning stuff. Rarely does he throw leg kicks when he does. You know, it is what it is. And he's not really going to be wrestle heavy. So we were like, this this is perfect. It's an upper body attack. So, um, you know, and then I didn't get the fight. So three months later, we hooked it up and it worked out even better because I had a little bit more recovery time. But I always felt like and I was always confident that that fight was perfectly matched for me to finish when the opportunity came i think it's important to note that um i was never going to go in there and dominate him like that that just wasn't he he's an elite level striker he has wrestling you know he he's been around a long time he, he's the biggest fighter could get outside the ufc and i think um you know to take nothing away from him the the fight was definitely one that we seen me winning the way we did but we had to capitalize on the, the opportunities given. It wasn't like, oh, I missed that choke. I'll get it next time. It, when it came, it had to come and it had to stay and it had to stick and I had to finish it. And that's exactly what we did. Um, it's funny, we we spent majority of the camp um, focusing on like countering his striking and then getting the takedown when we could. And like literally three minutes before I walked out, I turned to my coach. I said, this guy's going to take me down. And he said to me, he goes, man, don't focus on any of the thoughts that are going on right now. Just focus on what we did, focus on what we planned for. Let's just go out there and execute the plan. And lo and behold, like three and a half minutes in, he tried to take me down. So I just felt um, in my mind that even if he was out striking me, if I put enough pressure on, that he would shoot on me. And he always shoots without setting his shot up. He always shoots with bad head position, and he always shoots from distance. And a guillotine is my favorite and probably most efficient movement in my grappling grappling arsenal. So it just all worked out, man. That's what I mean by it was a perfect matchup. And um, I did get outstruck, but, you know, um, the spinning back fist hurt. Wobbled me a little bit. But besides that, nothing hurt. Um, If anything, I was just getting into my groove, you know, and I was just moving forward, and I was just starting to – just starting to put the pressure on around the three-minute mark as far as forward movement goes. And, and you know, like I said, a little bit of pressure and and, uh, and he'll shoot, and that's what he did. You went into that
0: fight, like you mentioned earlier, recovering from injuries. You are on a three-fight skid. After getting a win over the best opponent you can get outside the UFC, what were the emotions like inside the ring and you're fighting in front of, like, 20, I think 30,000 people?
1: Yeah, look, it was... um. It was a pretty crazy time. I had a, a rough two years. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going to happen if I lost that fight. Um, all I knew was they gave me the biggest fight and the biggest motivator that I could get to come back and fight and to do it, you know, um, in style. You know, big card, big opponent, big opportunity. And I mean, it, it was overwhelming. Like, I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep the next day. I was awake for like, 48 hours just absolute like literally speechless to myself like I just sat there it was going over in my head you know my family rides away with me I've had three four surgeries in two years and three losses and then the UFC released me after two split decisions it was just it was just a rough a rough patch in an MMA career but it is what it is and that's why we do it um but the relief was overwhelming when I got that victory um and it, was, it was somewhat amusing that it happened the way that we thought it was going to happen last minute. Well,
0: now you return. They love the performance, of course, against Koji Takeda. He's an undefeated fighter, a young guy, 23 years old. He's a deep champion. I'm sure you probably expected a bigger name. You probably had a bigger name in your, in your mind for your second fight. Why did you end up taking the fight against Takeda?
1: There's a fight anyone, man. It doesn't matter who it is, you know. Um, I'm a fighter, like, you know, there's lots of guys out there be like, oh, he's 8-0, but he's never fought outside Japan. He's never fought on a massive international promotion. He's never fought anyone that's not Japanese, as far as I know. So, like, plenty of people that make up all these excuses, and the way I see it is I'm on the last fight of my contract. I only signed a two-fight deal. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to take this kid's O, and you know what I mean? Like, it's... It's just another fight. It makes no difference, you know. Everyone's dangerous. The guy's undefeated. You can't take that for granted, you know. You can't can't treat that lightly. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go over there and uh, put him away. We feel like we've got a perfect game plan. I feel like my wrestling can counter his. I'm definitely a better striker and a better grappler. So um, man, unless he just tries to like wrestle hunt me for three rounds, which he's done with some people. It's uh, it's going to be a long night for him, you know, but he's young and it, he's young. He'll be hungry. It's a great fight. I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I, I make no excuses if they could have thrown any name at me. And I still would have said yes. Like, I just want to fight. I want to fight regularly. I didn't fight regularly in the UFC. Um, you know, kind of fight when they want you to fight. So, yeah, man, we just said it doesn't matter who it is. Let's do it. So, um, we'll get this one out of the way and get a victory, and we'll be 2-0 for Ryzen on a new deal, floating into the 16-man tournament. That's the plan.
0: Like most high-level guys, you train at multiple locations, and you're going to add another location, which is your place. Where Man. are the other places you frequent? Because it seems like you guys are building a big
1: team out there. Man, you know, it, it, it's like, it's a small team, but it's big at the same time. we we got a wicked group of people. Like So, you know, this is the big thing with my gym, is you're not just joining my gym, you know, membership wise you are but like you join in my gym you have access to a network you know what i mean like so i train at team compton training center the coach there's a, a first degree black belt in jiu-jitsu anyway but they're my striking coaches um we go there spa three times a week the guys from there then go and grapple with us out of um, the garage grappling which is my coach who just got his second degree and he's black belt in the weekend um he's my head mma coach has been for nine years now and um we, we train with him at his house, and then I train at Bros Jiu-Jitsu every now and then. Um, and when we don't, when there's a few of us and we got fights coming up, we need space, we go out to Bros, like, and then, uh, man, I do my strength conditioning somewhere else, but that's changed now because I've just opened my own gym. So my strength conditioning coach actually works here as well. So now we get to do a strength conditioning and everything here. And when I don't have sessions at the other places, then some guys come to me. So, you know, we go and get coaching, in different spots and then we meet up together and we all put in rounds together. So it's awesome because we sort of like We're all like a network of people that might have the same goal, but just want to You know, we just want to get better together. Some guys are the same weight. Some guys got the same goal no one cares, you know, what I mean and um, Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to have someone around you that you can say hey man I'm gonna go do this and they're doing the same thing and no one hates each other. It's just I know politics get better kind of environment and uh and everyone helps out everyone like i said my electrician here owns another gym so it's uh it is what it is you know we um we're just martial artists trying to help each other get better and compete so um yeah that's pretty cool have you added
0: anything new to your training camp or have you ramped up any aspect of fighting and preparation
1: oh man i'll tell you what i added new. i've opened a gym and the stress levels are through the roof that's what I've added new. <laughs> nah, um, not really, man. You know, I, I feel like I'm a well-rounded fighter. You know, I continue to grapple sort of like three, four times a week. I wrestle a couple times a week. I strike probably five times a week. I do three sparring sessions, controlled. They're not light sparring. They're smart sparring. Um, we don't take heavy knocks. Um, I've got great level striking partners. So we all just kind of look after each other and, and help each other get better. Um, and then we're constantly w- evolving things, you know, like when I do my, my one-on-ones with my striking coach once or twice a week, we're just evolving. We're constantly changing the striking style. We're adding things into the already existing style. Um, yeah. So, um, every, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's awesome, man. Like we just get better at everything every day. This fight coming up,
0: it's different going in compared to your debut against Crookshank because you're facing a local guy, you know, one of their own, if you want to say, you know, if you can say it like that. Would a win over him be much more valuable
1: to you in the promotion? Uh, Well, I don't know, because I don't know how the promotion sees him, right? Like, so the way I looked at the Crookshank fight, sorry, man. The way I looked at the Crookshank fight when I was going into it was, um, it was like, um he was their poster boy, right? He was all over the posters. When the event was announced, he was on the poster before before anyone else. Like, he didn't even have a fight. We hadn't even agreed to the fight. It wasn't even offered to me and he was on the poster. He was their guy. You know, he was 6-2 for them on a four-fight win streak, all finishes. So, it was like, going into that fight, it was, it, it was a big deal because he was their guy. Well, that's the way I looked at it anyway. And so, um, I'm not sure how they look at Koji Takeda. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know whether they are massive on him. I know that he's a local guy. I know that he's deep champ. I know that he's undefeated. I know that his last fight he beat, I can't say his name, Katoka, is it Katoka? I don't know. 70 fight veteran. You know what I mean? He, he beat him in his last fight. So, you know, I know that um, he's no slouch. And, and I'm sure, like, if he beat me, as an experienced veteran and someone who has been over there and beaten what I would consider their, their poster boy on New Eve, massive card, I would think that, that that they've got props on him. So it would mean a lot to me to go over there and beat a local and someone who is highly touted as far as as far as far uh, they're concerned. But I don't, I don't know the way they see him. But to me, every win is, is massive, you know, like me, my family, Everyone around me, we put everything into every fight. It doesn't matter where the fight is. Car park, UFC, Ryzen, it doesn't matter. We invest everything emotionally, physically, financially into the fights. And, you know, it means everything. Every single fight means exactly the same to me.
0: You mentioned the 16-man tournament earlier. Have you had talks with Ryzen
1: about that? Only really what everyone else probably already knows. I haven't really talked to them about it. I know... You know, I think they've always done eight-man, but I know they were thinking about doing 16-man. I don't know when it's going to be or anything like that. It's just... It was just mentioned. Um, but, you know, um, I didn't want to wait out for a 16-man tournament in the middle of the year or whatever it's going to start. I wanted to I wanted to be like, okay, you know, I, I need this to happen now kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it was never... It was never about uh, waiting out for, for tournaments and stuff. I'll just fight. The tournament comes up. Hopefully, uh, with the win, a win in this one, they kind of can't not put me in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they're going to put Crookshank in it. And I just beat him. And then if I go and beat, you know, undefeated Japanese guy, then I think I kind of got to get my spot in it. So, uh, I just worry about that when it comes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just at a point in my career where, you know, I uh, just worry about every fight. It's like when I left, when the UFC like, sort of cut me, it was never about going back to the local scene and winning three fights and a row and getting back to the UFC. I wanted the biggest fights against the biggest opponents I could get, and I wanted to worry about each individual fight as it came. And so uh, that's my focus, just worry about the fights as they come. All right, man.
0: One last thing before I let you go. I wanna know what is on your playlist, you know? What artists do you turn to to get hyped for training or f- before
1: your fights? Um, man, I listen to Spotify's legendary playlist. It is a classic. I absolutely love it. I play it constantly. When it played all the way through, I play it again. Um, I like old music. In saying that, um, sometimes, you know, a song can Hit a string, you know what I mean, and it can it can really drive home. And that's why I walked out to Guy Sebastian's um, song last time. Uh, for me, it really sort of uh, it resonated with what was going on in my life at that point in time. And uh, yeah, you know, like I said, I didn't know what was going to happen if I lost that fight, so. It was um, it would have put a massive strain on my family, probably mentally as well. Like we, we put everything, like I said, we put everything into them. So if you lose four in a row at that level, it's it's difficult, you know, when when you're mid 30s and you lose four in a row and you want to open a gym and you've got a family and a baby. So um, it's sort of if you listen to the words of that song, it it really meant a lot to what was going on at that point in time. But generally, my music is uh, just any kind of legendary old rock music, stuff like that. Anything from, like, 80s, 90s, I'm good for. All right, man. April
0: 21st, Ryzen 15, Yokohama. Thank you for your time, Damien,
1: and uh, good luck no worries, to you, man. Baby. Thank you, man. Hey, guys, just follow uh, follow at Bass Training Center on Facebook and Instagram. Give my uh, give my gym a like and watch what we got going on. And uh, if you can tune in this weekend to Eternal MMA, just check out my boy Aaron Blackie. He's uh, he's running hot, man, I'm telling you that kids on the way up is the best featherweight in the country.